You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning, North Canton Chapel. Welcome to week three of our Family Matters teaching series. Today is going to look a little bit different. As you can already tell, uh, we have an entire family ministries team here. And uh, so today's going to be really exciting. We've got a lot of really good content. But as we wrap up this series, um, we've got some stuff that we're going to talk about that I don't think um, many people are talking about these days. But it's stuff that we feel the need um, to just kind of push in the middle of the stage and say, let's have a conversation around some issues that I know we're all feeling. And so in case you don't know, our Family Ministries team, we have Judy, who's our Director of Family Ministries. We have right here Sam Toman, who is our Children's Ministries Coordinator, and Alex Cook, who's our Student Ministries Pastor. And so together, um, they have put together this series. Last week, we heard from Sam. You did a great job, by the way, of elevating this idea for discipleship in the family. Uh, the week before that, Alex, you gave us a great picture of what it means to be a family biblically and part of the family of God. So today we're going to try and bring everything together and talk about some things that are really crucial. So we're going to start off by talking about generations. And so we said all the time that we are a multi-generational church here at North Canton Chapel. And so why don't we talk a little bit about what that means? We say we have five generations or maybe even six generations. So Judy, if you could get us acclimated to this idea of generations and are there generational gaps? How do we, how do we see these things happening? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we know is that there's, as long as there's been people, there have been differences between generations. And so we just want to take a second to look at the existing generations that we have and talk about some of the defining events that have happened in their lifetime that really shaped or even formed the way they saw the world. So if you look at the chart, um, we have generations starting at silent generation, boomers, Generation X, uh, Generation, or excuse me, Millennials, and then Generation Z, which is our current generation that's coming of age, and then Generation Alpha, that is our upcoming um, generation. So I'm sure you're already looking at the years that are listed here on the chart and really defining where you're at in that uh, generation. There could be years that are um, slightly different than maybe what you've seen defined prior times that you've seen generational stuff. Really what's important is looking at the defining events. So if you look at like the boomers, boomers had things like Vietnam. Um, there were things like Woodstock that were super defining events that happened and really shaped how that age group grew up and really experienced the world. Um, millennials, millennials were the um, generation that really had the rise of the global internet. So they um, experienced this new way of communication, this new platform that the older generations were not even quite sure how to handle and um, were coming alongside of them, but millennials really started that, that um, initiative. And then there's Generation Z that we are currently seeing come of age. So they are really um, like in a social native kind of digital age that they have um, never lived without any kind of internet or any kind of social um, online platforms. 
And obviously that changes the way that they are um, moving forward in the current day. They see the world differently because of that. The way they communicate is different because of that. And there's actually interesting things that actually point Generation Z and the silent generation back from 1925 to having some really interesting comparisons. I'm not going to go into all of that detail, but there is a lot to say about knowing and understanding each other and what um, has formed us as individual generations. And not so that we think that one is better than the other, but truly to understand each other and to know what has brought us to that place so that we can live together and actually connect with each other in better ways. I think that's super helpful. And so for those of you who are watching, you know, you already, you do probably find yourself in a category or in a generation marked by the year that you were born. And the reason we wanted to start our, our talk today around this is because even though the, the, the Christian faith is timeless, right? There, we talk about this all the time. This is an eternal thing to follow God. These generational things and these defining events become the lens through which we see our world. And so we at least need to acknowledge that if we're gonna be part of a multi-generational church and if we're gonna be family together. So I love that. I have another question, kind of I wanna throw into this one. When you look at generational gaps, right? We see it happen in scripture a lot where the baton is not, passed well or something gets sideways or something gets dropped. And so how do we see biblically this idea of worldview kind of cascading through these generations? How are we doing on, on passing on the Christian faith if you look at these generations? Sam? Yeah, so it's very interesting to look at what a biblical worldview really is and how we've been passing it on and even in areas where we've fallen short on passing on this biblical worldview. There's um, seven questions that I believe kind of help um, capture what a biblical worldview is. And some seven questions that pretty much everyone will ask at some point. And the seven questions are, does God exist? How did everything begin? What's wrong with the world? Who am I? Why am I here? Am I living a good life? And what happens after I die? And so these are questions that probably all of us have asked in one shape or another. We've all struggled with these before. Um, but we can also see some statistics that kind of go along with us. There really has been a constant decline of each generation from the boomers passing on down their faith. Um, there's a chart here that, uh, that we're looking at, and it kind of shows us that really only 10% of boomers have a biblical worldview. Um, so only 10% of boomers could answer all of these seven questions through the lens of Scripture and have these answers. Um, and then that continues to decline all the way down to Generation Z, Gen Z. Um, they are only at about 4%. And so that's really daunting. And even with that, only 17% of all Christians who consider faith important actually have a biblical worldview. So only 17%. So, and then continuing with that, 32% of church-going teens believe that the church is not a safe place to ask questions. And that's one that really, that really hits me directly, um, not, that the church, they see the church not as a safe place to ask even these questions, which and this is the exact place where we want them to come. We want them to come to the body of believers and to Scripture. I, I, I think of Romans 12, verse 2, um, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
And so we, we like see a couple of things there that I think are important for us. Like we're being called to not be conformed by the world, to um, not allow our worldview to be shaped by anyone except Jesus. Um, and we're also called to be transformed in our minds and in all that we are by Jesus through the scriptures. And then we're called to also continually test these things, to test um, what we believe. And so we are called to really struggle with these questions. You know, who am I? Why am I here? Does God exist? And we have to be willing to um, pass on a solid foundation of these questions to the next generation uh, better than we have before. I love that. And I, like, I hear those statistics and they sober me, right? And I think if you're, if you're listening at all, you know, like, you're not comfortable with those numbers. I'm not. And, you know, I look at it and I go, well, 10% for the boomers, that's, you know, not great. But then I look at my generation and and boy, we're not much better. And so to piggyback on what Judy said, this isn't about what generation is better than another generation. This is about how do we do this stuff? How do we pass on our faith? And so, Alex, can you comment on that? Like, what what do we do when we hear those stats? Like, where do we actually drive this thing? How can we help to reverse those trends and, and to pass on our faith in a, in a meaningful way as yeah, a family. Absolutely. And that is like, that is one of the big questions of this whole thing. Um, and, and something that we, that we see here is that we have these options. And the first option is this, it's, are we going to allow our culture to influence the next generation? But I have one more statistic to throw up here that we have to consider. And it says this, um, four out of five engaged Christian teens agree I can share my honest questions, struggles, and doubts with my parents. And the key word there is engaged. We have engaged teens, we have engaged children, and engaged parents. So let me, let me ask you about that word. That's a really good word. I hear that stat and I'm encouraged. I go, man, four out of five. Like, finally, like the sun's breaking through and like there's something positive. I feel like you can talk about your faith. That's great. Um, so what does that word engaged mean? What are we, like, how would you characterize that? What does that mean? It seems to be a difference maker in this discussion. Yes, it is. It really is a difference maker. And it's, it's almost like that stepping into uh, this child's life, whether you're a parent, guardian, like stepping in, almost getting in the front, in the, getting in the front lines of discipleship with the next generation. And that's kind of what it looks like to engage with the next gen. Um, it's not this like perfect formula, but it's really just taking that next step of um, what can I do to help pass that, um, that baton to the next generation. There's a lot of things that we, you know, that come to mind with that, but it's really just like, it's really this, how do I get on the front lines? What do I do for my next step with equipping the next generation? That's- Yeah, absolutely. So Galatians 3, 27 through 29, I'm going to read that for us. It says this, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be reading Galatians 3, 27 and 29. It says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you all are one. In Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And we see in this passage that um, it, it's not race, it's not gender, it's not your socioeconomical uh, positioning. Um, none of those things have any relevance if, uh, uh, for following Jesus. There's no prerequisite of where you're at in life 
um, or where you come from that makes you more susceptible to follow Jesus or have an authentic relationship with Christ. And we even see it, it doesn't necessarily matter. There's tons of scriptures and, and families that we see in, in the scriptures that um, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're a, um, a good church-going family or if you're, you know, you go to church every Sunday, you, you do this or that, um, and, and, you, and you step into these things. Even that isn't necessarily a direct correlation with the next generation or your um, child um, coming up in the faith and having salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, so, so then it's, the challenge is this. Um, it's to know that the next generation can be engaged with. It, like there are steps that the next generation does engage with, uh, with intentionality and focus on three main areas. And these three main areas are this, reasons, relationships, and rhythms. So these three R's. Now I want to point your attention here for all you guys that are watching at home. Um, no matter which generation you fall into, these three R's are for you. There's reason, and then there's relationship, and then there's rhythm. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about all three of these and what they have to do with reaching across this generational gap that we all kind of instinctively feel. So first thing I want to talk about is reasons. Um, I think everybody wants a reason for their faith. We don't want blind faith. We don't just want to say, well, I'm, I'm passing on you know, a tradition or I'm passing on like my, well, we get up and go to church. This is what we do. I want to know why we do what we do. I think many people are like that. So Sam, can you comment on that? What why do we want a reason for our faith? And is Gen Z any different than preceding generations? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like, and I think most of us probably feel that too. We want a reason for our faith. We want to know why do I believe what I believe? Like if I have the right answers to those seven, you know, biblical worldview questions, why? Like, well, how did I get there? Um, and, and Gen Z is very similar. Gen Z is not interested in a spectator sort of faith. Uh, so Gen Z, they want to own their faith and they want to participate in it. Um, but it's important for us to know that owning their faith will only happen when they understand why, when they understand the why behind their faith. Why do they believe what they believe? And I think something that's important for us to recognize is that kids and students are able to understand and learn these things about the faith. They're often able to understand much more than we give them credit for. And I think one of the ways that we can build on this foundation of the faith and to show them the reasons for our faith is by having the hard conversations with them, by be being willing to step into those conversations in not just on a Sunday morning, but in the natural places and spaces of life. So being intentional in discipleship with them, um, whether it's in a teaching position, that's part of it, but also just in life, being willing to have these conversations. I mean, I think back to um, Jesus in the temple when he was at a young age, knowing he had to father, follow his father's will, or Timothy, um, his mom and his grandma teaching him the scriptures from a young age because they're capable of gaining this understanding. Um, and I, see, I believe if the next generation doesn't understand our biblical worldview and doesn't understand why we believe what we believe and how it centers on Jesus, then they won't own this faith. And that's what we need to help pass it on. Um, I love that. And I, I feel like I cut you off a bit. No, there, you're good. What brought to my mind was when you think about Jesus's harshest words were reserved for people who prevented kids from learning. And when I say kids, I don't just mean like fourth and fifth graders. I mean like the whole spectrum. And so we're talking like K through 12. This is who we're talking about. And it's the, the age group that you guys serve as a team here. Jesus said, no, like 
don't prevent them from coming to me. And if you cause one of these kids to sin, like, this is a big deal for you. Yeah. Basically said, like, it's better for you to have a stone hung around your neck and be thrown into the ocean mm -hmm. than, to, than to jack with this. And so the thing that I get really jazzed up about and excited about is your life, if you're watching today, your life may be the best apologetic for Christianity that a student or a child is ever going to see. Um, it's the biggest reason for Christianity is demonstrated in your life, which leads to this second R. We've got reasons, and now we've got relationships. And so, Judy, I want you to talk to me about the importance of relationships across generations. This is a tough thing to do, I think, because we naturally resonate with people who we're like. And so I hang out with people of my generation because we see the world the same way, largely. We have the same life experiences like you talked about. So give me some insight into this. Why are relationships so important, especially for Gen Z and those that are, that are coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So relationships are really something that we all experience, right? Like we're not um, just talking to families that have Gen Z kids or even um, to all of you for Gen Z, but really for all of you who have relationships, which is all of us, right? So we talk um, relationships from the church family, talk about um, kids that have actually grown up, and maybe you have adult children that you really have um, stressed relationships with. So I think all of this can apply towards all of those relationships. And then also the church family, and we're gonna talk about that a bit. Um, for those of you who have younger children in your home. You might think relationships are really not where it's at. Right now I'm just trying to, you know, get them to go to sleep and not, you know, disobey or whatever. Um, really the, the work starts at that age. And um, for you as parents, pointing your children to Jesus and um, making that relationship a central focus is something that starts very young. Um, putting the priority on your marriage, putting the priority on Jesus in the way that he is everything and that I, as my child's mother, could not be or my child's father. Um, there is a, a way that we become child-focused without even trying to do it. Our children just become our everything. We spend so much money on them. We give them everything they want. And it's not because we shouldn't give our kids great things, but there are always limitations. And those um, boundaries are actually for our children. And we'll get more into that later on. Um, but I really think that that's the first way that we start to create those relationships in healthy ways when they're young. Then as our kids get older and things get a little bit more difficult, um, we start to see our kids make mistakes. We start to experience more struggles in that relationship and even some pushback possibly from our kids. So if you're a student right now listening, um, I would like to challenge you that a relationship with your parent or with adults who love Jesus and want to point you to Jesus are really good things. And for you as a parent, um, I want to challenge you with letting your kids make mistakes in healthy ways. So that means that inside of my home, I'm going to see my child make a mistake. And instead of going crazy on them or instead of being embarrassed or even taking that personally, I'm going to use that opportunity to point them back to Jesus, right? Like um, if I have a child who does make a mistake and my reaction is based on the consequences that I'm experiencing or even the consequences that they're experiencing and they don't see how they have severed or sinned against a holy God in that moment, I'm missing the opportunity for organic discipleship. I love what you're saying there and what, what it hits me as a parent because I've got three kids and we're walking through this stuff too and 
when Mandy and I have to do that corrective discipleship in our relationship, right, we, we fall back on this thing of like parenting from a place of security, mm-hmm. which is really hard because Absolutely. if you're a parent and you're watching, you know that your kids are a reflection of you and you feel that, right? And so whenever you parent in public, you know, if you're a parent, you've had this experience where you go, oh, golly, you know. But the truth of the matter is there is this almost of an untouchability where I go, look, what my kids need from me is my personal holiness Mm -hmm. and my walk with Jesus. That's the best thing I bring to my parenting. That's what I hear you hitting on right now. 100%. So if I do not prepare myself um, prior to that mistake of filling myself with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and being in the Word and my relationship with Jesus is if it's dry, then my reaction to my children is going to have an outpouring of that. And so um, we're all going to make mistakes at times. And that's where grace comes in. Um, And our kids learn grace when we go to them then and even admit our failures. Um, We're all going to drop the ball at times and our kids do it. And so do we as adults. And it's where grace is actually learned in a really powerful and good way inside of the home um, when we give our kids those opportunities. I think that um, one of the things that we need to recognize is our kids are different from us. So often I see adults thinking they're just little or young um, adults and really they're not. They are a totally different person and um, they're living in a different culture. They're living in a different um, environment in their school world. You know, everything is, is significantly different for them than it was for us growing up or or even um, other generations. And so I think meeting our kids where they're at so that they see that we care to know them and to truly see them is so important. Um, There's so many times that kids really just want to know that we care about them. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Like it is so important that we meet them where they're at. What, what I love about that, that, that is hard work. And I mean, I'm looking at us here, like we're all at different life stages a little bit and family rhythms. And so this is hard work to cross that bridge and say, okay, I love you enough to do the hard work of getting into your world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love that you're saying that because it, it does put the onus back on you as a parent, right? Yeah. And so this is true if you're watching as a parent, if you're watching as a grandparent, if you're watching as somebody else who's been down the line a little bit and you're walking closer with Jesus and you have this burden for who will follow you, it's incumbent upon you to get into their world and to learn, right? There's this leadership principle in here where if you want to lead them, you must learn them first. And I hear you saying that, like, do the hard work of learning to step into their world, right? right. And that's a huge part of, of relationships. I want to get to rhythm, but I, I know there's some more relationship yeah. stuff so here. So I keep, just want to go going. a couple more things real quick. Um, messy families exist everywhere. So um, I just want to say there's nothing about me that is a parenting expert or any of us sitting here. Um, Maybe I thought I was a parenting expert before I had kids and then I had three of them and I realized I wasn't. So it's a daily process, right? Like we all are experiencing these truths and trying to walk daily with our kids. And there's going to be days where we mess it up, right? And so in that How do I respond? Um, We talked about that a little bit, but really being willing to bring others alongside of me. There's so much value for me in having Alex Cook pour into my two middle schoolers right now and having that relationship, Um, having other adults who have faith um, to walk alongside of things that 
as great as my kids are, um, I can't always be the the voice that they're going to hear. Um, and so I think when we recognize as the church how God has um, knit us as a faith community together to really go through hard things together, it's really super tempting when things get messy in your family to isolate. And that is wow, not what God wants us to do. I love that because there is a sense of shame associated with that. When things get messy, I go, oh, I don't want anybody to see my stuff. Yeah. And the right impulse is to say, let me invite people in yes. to my stuff. Absolutely. Talk to me too about prayer because you made a great insight. We were talking about this earlier yeah. about prayer. How yeah. does this relate to relationships and messiness in this whole picture for you? Well, absolutely. Prayer is like the, the thing that we kind of put on the shelf and go, yeah, we need to be praying for our kids. But really, it's the main work we're supposed to be doing yeah. for our kids. And, and we should never stop. For me personally, what prayer looked like in my life is my mom never stopped praying for me. Um, even into adulthood, I knew my mom was praying for me. And um, I want to do that for my children. And I think we as a church should take that very seriously to do that for the next generation too. Prayer is one of those things that the work, the real work is done on our knees, not um, with having all of the perfect words or all of the perfect actions with the, the next generation. I love that. I love yeah. that. All right. So those are our first two R's. We've got reason. We've got relationships. And now get me into rhythm. And Alex, this one is yours. So this is the one I'm most confused about. Okay. So I can hear reason and I go, all right. So this sounds like talking about truth, talk about worldview, relationships. I'm like, okay, I kind of get there. My mind goes to Deuteronomy 6, but give me, give me rhythm. What does this have to do? And what are we talking about when you yeah. say we have to have some sense of rhythm to, to help this generational gap close a little bit. Yeah, it's so, it's so important to, to understand um, this next generation's rhythms because really if we don't have the lens, if we don't have the knowledge of like what their life is all about, how they see the world and where they're kind of coming from, um, I think there's a lot of ways that sometimes we just kind of assume that uh, being in proximity to, to godliness just is going to uh, naturally just have this um, this effect on them where they're just going to follow Jesus. Mm. But we have to, we have to kind of come back to, hey, like what, what does it look like to step in to a teenager's shoes, to step in to a, a child, a preteen's shoes? Because um, they're social calendars. I mean, if we look at it, they're going from one thing to the next. They're usually um, very tired. They got um, tons of things that they're doing. They're, they're going above and beyond in their schoolwork. They got sports they're playing. They're, they have extracurricular things. Um, so it's just like a very high-paced culture or high-paced generation. Um, social media, it's another thing that even I'm, I'm barely above the Gen Z. I'm a millennial. And, and I didn't grow up with social media. I grew up with the internet a little bit, but they, their whole entire lives have been social media. They, that's all they've ever known. They never knew um, a world before social media. So it's almost like we have to step in to the world and realize how important and how significant it is living in the social media world. Uh, quick comment on that. So there are probably some of you watching right now that you hear that and you go, oh yeah, I know. And we do this facepalm thing where we go, oh, you know, and I hear that frustration expressed in different ways. And so let me, let me put on a pastor hat here for a second. I'm going to switch from facilitator to pastor. So, um, a lot of where I hear that frustration is like, man, I miss the America I grew up in, right? Or I miss the world I grew up in, or I want things to be like the way they were. And what that's like is that's like driving your car, looking in the rearview mirror and going, I, I really like it better back there, right? And the hard thing that I've got to accept, I mean, I'm, I'm 39, so I'm still a fairly young 
person, right, with younger kids. But I go, I miss the America I grew up in. I miss the world I grew up in because I didn't have social media either, you know. But what I'm starting to realize as a parent, and you're, you're nailing it right now, is if I do that, if I live my life looking in the rearview mirror, I will miss the opportunities for discipleship that God has put right in front of me if I just look through the windshield. And that takes a level of courage that I normally don't have because I'd rather, I, if I had my preferences, I'd rather go back there. But I hear you calling us to something different. And, and so that's just a word for you. Like, I want to encourage you. I, that's hard work. If you're, you know, if you're one generation removed, it's hard work. If you're two or three, it, it, maybe it's a little bit harder work. But um, what I love, I hear you all saying the same thing, is that we all have something to offer here. So keep talking to me a little bit more about rhythm, a little bit more about um, aligning our lives and, and stepping in. Why is this such a critical thing for us to learn how to do? Uh, yeah, it's, it's so important because when we step in to um, a Gen Z's life, when we, when we see it from their lens, when we put ourselves in their shoes, um, it, may, it is difficult. It might be awkward for us sometimes. It can be very challenging because even me, like I'm around students all the time, around teenagers all the time, and, and the words they use, um, the way they talk about certain things, I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of lost. But I think the best thing we can do is to step into those situations, whether it's it's comfortable or not, and starting to learn some of these things. Because when we learn about their culture, when we learn about the, the lens they see the world through, we're able to have those conversations. We're able to pour in them in such a way that actually makes sense. Not like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing it from somebody, you know, my dad or my mom who, you know, grew up in it. No, like when we step into that, they realize, oh, they care. Yep. First of all, they want to be in relationship. And they care about knowing who I am and what I'm all about. And when we do those things, I think it, it just provides easier avenues for us to naturally step into those discipleship opportunities. I love it. I love it. So those are your three R's, okay? And so here's where we're going to go next. Go ahead and throw the slide back up on the screen so you guys can see this. There's reason, there's relationship, and there's rhythm. I want you to sit with these, regardless of how you're hearing this. If you're watching this as a child, as a student, um, as a parent, as a grandparent, um, sit with these three R's for just a second and say, where in my life do I see these things? Where can I use these? And then what I want to do is I want to give us, I want you guys to give us a closer pass on what we can do. How do we do this specifically here at North Canton Chapel or outside of North Canton Chapel? What do we do with this stuff? These three R's. We've got reason, relationship, and rhythm. Well, you guys did a great job of really building a framework around how do we approach this conversation of generations. So from existing generations to why is it important, these three R's, I, I think this is a very good way of looking at it. But let's, let's get this thing into a container. Okay, so you've heard this for a couple of weeks now. This is Family Matters. It's, it's our little stake in the ground saying we believe this is important. What do I do? Okay, so I want you to talk just really quick. Why is it important to be engaged? Give me a what do I actually do? What are, what are we doing here? And then how do I get connected to some of these opportunities? Alex, why don't you kick it off again? What, why is this stuff so important for yeah. us to do as a church? It, it, is, it is really important because these are really hard topics that, we're, you know, that we go through um, with parenting, grandparenting, or just stepping in with the next generation. There's a lot of difficult things that I would say no one person is a pro at, at all of these things, or maybe even any of them. It's very difficult. Um, but we have these incredible opportunities to come alongside of you with our parent workshops. And um, it's going to be a great way for us to kind of do this thing together. 
Uh, for, we've been talking about parent workshops, and so I'm excited if that's kind of like piqued your interest. Judy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what are these topics that we're going to be talking about um, in these next couple of months? Yeah, so um, earlier I had said something about the church having a voice in hard topics, and we want to be a place where parents can come to, um, to us, to um, experts that we are going to actually have come alongside of us in certain topics. Um, some of the topics we're going to be hitting on this um, whole school year will be um, some really big ones, some stress and anxiety, how to talk to your kids about sex, pornography, video games, technology, social media, um, next steps in your children's faith, and gender dysphoria. We really do want to help parents um, equip you and to help you to to really know where do I go from here? And we're not just gonna go into these top topics in general. We're really gonna try to break this down. Um, you're gonna see pieces that are for our younger kids, um, parents maybe that have you know, fifth grade and under, there's going to be a breakdown for them. There's also going to be um, teens and students. Um, there will be specifics for them as well. And so this isn't like, a, oh, I'm just gonna not worry about this because my kids aren't at that stage yet. We really want you to see that there is um, a piece of parenting that really with most of these issues will go along with all ages. So I love that. And kudos to you guys, seriously. This is a brave thing that you guys are doing. And I hope you see this North Canton Chapel that um, stepping out into this place, this is a conversation that, that is going to be tricky, but it's one we feel that we really have to have. And I'm glad that you guys are leading the way in this stuff, talking about gender dysphoria and pornography and video games, stuff that, that we just don't have a, a handle for, really. And um, so for you, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, uh, th this is for you. And so Sam, tell us how we get connected to this kind of stuff. What do we need to do? Where do we go? Who is this for? Yeah, so, so these are some really important topics that we want to address. And registration, registration for our first workshop will open on October 1st at nchapel.online. And this isn't just for parents either. This is for anyone who's interested in discipling and leading others, um, especially those in the next generation. Because we're, we're called to be ready in season and out of season. So no matter what stage of parenting you're in, no matter what stage of life you're in, if you're looking to invest in the next generation, um, these can be helpful for you. And so you can find those again at nchapel.online. All right, guys, thank you so much uh, for your work. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm excited for what this is going to be like. Um, you guys have done a great job as a team already. Thank you for these last couple of weeks in raising these topics and just getting us thinking about it because um, we are mindful of the fact that, that the, the Christian faith is only one generation away from extinction and we have work to do. And so I'm profoundly thankful for you guys um, just in your leadership these last couple of weeks. And so, Judy, would you mind um, give us a last word and then yeah. if you would also just close us in a word of prayer today. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I do want to challenge you guys. I want to challenge you that there are ways that you can step into this with the next generation, both, both inside the walls here at the North Canton Chapel and outside. So if you're looking for ways to serve inside of the walls, maybe you are not like ready to step into being a small group leader, but you're like, I want to help impact the next generation. Connect with one of us. Um, we have opportunities that you can sit at a desk and help check new families in. Maybe computer skills are your thing. Maybe you just want to greet and, and welcome new families back here. Um, we want you to engage here inside of the walls. That is definitely a thing. However, I don't want to stop there because I think that that's just a little bit short of what God's actually asking us to fully embrace with the next generation. Outside of these walls, 
there are kids that don't know Jesus everywhere. And you, they might be your neighbor. They might be um, a child that you encounter, at, um, somebody's child at work. Maybe, you know, who knows? There's all kinds of relationships that you may have. Um, think about who your Gen Z kid could be. And ask God and pray about what God's asking you to do. Um, how can you step into a relationship with that child that you can then show them how much you care and how much Jesus cares for them? I think the biggest concern that I have is that the church is not equipping kids for a world that no longer exists. Um, if we don't pass on our faith, the, the world that our kids are growing up into and that they will have um, will look very different. And so we can't assume that our church kids all are good and that the world outside is lost and hopeless um, because God's plan is for us to step into the culture. Um, when Jesus came, he didn't rage a war against the culture. He stepped into it and he redeemed it. And I think as we go forward and do that, that's exactly what he will equip us to do. So. Super great. Why don't you close us in prayer, G? Absolutely. <laughs> Heavenly Father, um, God, we come before you, Lord, just humbled to be able to be used by you. God, thankful for... Um, just the way that generations before us have passed on their faith to us. And um, Lord, that, that your word is timeless. God, we thank you for the next generation. Um, we thank you for the way that we can encounter each other and um, to be real with each other. God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the strength to have those hard conversations, um, to take the next steps that you're calling us to. Lord, we ask that we would be a church, Lord, that makes an impact in North Canton and beyond. Um, God, that the, the people that are all around us would know us because of you. Lord, we love you. We trust that you are in control of the next generation and it is not fully in our hands, God, but that you are working through us. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at ncchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.